Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station, Suns in four. Four minutes of nonstop Suns news, highlights, and takes on the team. Brought to you by 72 Sold, 72sold.com, where you can sell your home in 72 hours for thousands more than selling the traditional way. Suns in four. Number one in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. Number one in the West, the Phoenix Suns getting together yesterday afternoon at Footprint Center. Things started out early with a lot of buzz in the air, and Devin Booker wasted very little time, Bick, showing us what kind of game he would have. First ball out to Booker. Booker, a fadeaway three-pointer. Suzanne! So D. Booker coming off a great game in Denver has a leadoff three to start it for the Suns this afternoon. Now McCoy on the call, 3-2, very early in the game. Booker would uh, continue his onslaught, but uh, so would Joel Embiid, who is a beast to deal with, and he certainly was in the first quarter on Sunday. Out to Embiid, he's at a high post, fakes right, moves left, gets in for a shot, scores, count it, and he's fouled. Embiid, uh, that layup made it 28-24. He would hit the uh, free throw to make it 29-24, but Booker wasn't done. Hit another three-pointer before the expiration of the first quarter. Booker puts up a three. Shazam! Boy, that shot was right there. They put it up over Milton. One-point ball game. Yeah, the uh, Sixers would lead by two at the end of the first quarter despite 22 first-quarter points by Devin Booker. Uh, the second quarter, I got. I think it was one of the weirdest quarters of the season for a number of reasons. First, it started out with a 13-0 run by Philadelphia. Uh, a Danny Green three-point shot put the uh, Sixers up 15, 54-39. Then Chris Paul started a run the other way. He hit a three, and the Suns went on a... 12-0 run right back. Uh, Devin Booker contributed, excuse me, DeAndre Ayton contributed to that run as well. Ayton gets the ball in from out of bounds for the Suns out to Booker. Booker lobs it down to Ayton, turn from 14, switch, it's good. That would conclude the run and uh, would cut the Philadelphia lead to two. Uh, right before the end of the first half, Jay Crowder got into the act, hitting a very pivotal three. Ball out on top, way over on the left side. And now he starts to make a move, drives in underneath, goes in the corner, Crowder for three, Suzanne got the three-pointer with three seconds left. Yeah, no shot for Philadelphia before the half, but they would go into the uh, locker room leading 64-60. to Into the third quarter we would go, uh, more of Joel Embiid putting points on the board. Over to Maxi, who's been handling the ball, been very active in this third quarter for Philadelphia. Out to Embiid for three, and he hit him. Joel Embiid. Yeah, that would uh, give the Sixers an 81-79 lead. Embiid was uh, he was in his element yesterday. He was playing bully ball. He was shooting the three a little bit. Uh, he was rebounding, playing defense, had a massive block shot at one point. Uh, but the Suns would not go away. And by the end of the third quarter, they built a five-point lead thanks to a little bit of a buzzer beater from Bismack Biombo. Booker still at three-point range. Booker waits, bounces it inside to Biombo. Shot won't go. Gets his rebound and scores it. Bismack Biombo. It hung on the rim, but it fell in. And the quarter's going to end before Philadelphia can get a shot. Listen to this crowd as the Suns lead at 91-86. Yeah, Suns did lead by five going into the fourth quarter. You know what that means? They were 44-0 and at that point wow. this season with a lead going into the fourth. 
That lead would grow all the way up to 11 points on a Landry Shamet three-pointer at 7.43 to go. 101.90, you think it's going to be a cakewalk, right? Nope. The uh, Philadelphia 76ers, they responded with a 10-0 run to pull to within one, but then the Suns started to pull away, and Chris Paul had a hand in that. Chris Paul over on the left side. Paul on the drive. Stop, look, shoots, and got the roll. Chris Paul at the baseline. Oh, wow. 111-102. Suns lead Philly. And then 16 seconds later, defense turning into offense. Suns lead Philly. Harden on the left side. Harden into the lane. Bounce it. It's picked off. The steal belongs to Bridges. Throw it up to Booker. Booker to Aiden. In the corner to Crowder. A three. Yeah, that closed a 13-2 run by the Suns and really closed out any hope the Sixers had. 114-104, to the uh, final. Watching the Phoenix Suns play basketball in the fourth quarter is quickly becoming a a favorite pastime of basketball fans in this town. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I I thought yesterday's game had a lot of interesting little turning points. Joel Embiid kind of marginalized himself um, by landing on Devin Booker, I believe, and and rolling his ankle a bit. And that was on a play after he missed an easy putback, which required him to go up after the ball again, and then he landed on that. So that was a little bad break for the 76ers. Yeah, if he makes that first... First gimme, then there's, there's no injury. There's no injury. There's no injury, he injury have to at all. Sit, and he sat out for quite some time. DeAndre Jordan came back in the game at that yeah. point. I thought there was a really, really cool moment um, in terms of because there have been times during this Devin Booker run when it, you gotta you've got to remember there's a fine line between hero ball and one guy being shot dominant and letting that guy cook and letting that guy eat. Uh, there's been a couple moments where I'm like, okay, come on, Devin, just keep the ball moving, keep it moving. Uh, yesterday there was a time. Uh, the big Jay Crowder three near the end of the game. Devin Booker had a wide open three, and he could have taken it, given all the new attention that's on him. Mm-hmm. He gave it to DeAndre Ayton, who was coming down in transition, who then found Jay Crowder in the corner for a three, and he nailed it. Gave the Suns a commanding lead. I thought that was a nice little moment of unselfish basketball. Uh, and then, finally, what's up with James Harden? Why would he not shoot the ball at the end of the game? Because it wasn't going to go in. <laughs> Because Mikel Bridges, <laughs> pardon my French, put the clamps on his ass. Okay. okay. Well, uh, that's, two that's for 11. Three shot. games against, because he played two with Brooklyn. So this is his third game against the Suns this year. Uh-huh. Uh, he went 0-3, averaged 16 points per game, shot 26.7% from the floor, 5 for 9 from three-point range, 26% from three-point range, 13 turnovers, 4.3 a game. Mikael Bridges is really good playing defense. But, yeah, it was a weird performance by James Harden. Like, Mm -hmm. everything went through Harden, or excuse me, Embiid. But if there was a secondary score, and and Tobias Harris had a stretch where he was unstoppable. Yeah. But he killed the Suns last time. They really relied heavily on Tyrese Maxey, who I like as a young player. He's relentless. He's very energetic, but he was not shooting the ball well. It was a weird performance by James Harden. Yeah, that, and I I thought it was an okay performance from Joel Embiid. I don't think it was really dominant, but I walked away from that game going, nothing to fear here. Now, again, it's just one game, but that that was sort of the takeaway, that the Suns, without JaVale McGee and Cam Johnson, dealt with a team that had just taken over the number 1 seed in the Eastern Conference. Well, and the way things shook out in the first quarter, Booker scores 22 of the 37 for the Suns. Nobody else in that quarter had more than four. Chris Paul had four. You know, they had people contribute, but 
I actually was I, w- I was pondering the question. Okay, Devin Booker plays the entire first quarter by design, sits out about the first six minutes of the second quarter, and I thought, uh oh, who's going to score for the Suns when Booker's out on the not on the floor? And the answer early was nobody was scoring because they went it, oh yeah they went on a thirteen nothing run. Philadelphia did, but for them to get dialed in offensively, and then you look at the production and the distribution by the end of the game, nineteen for Paul. 14 for Ayton, 11 for Bridges. Jay Crowder hit three shots. They were all three-pointers, and they were all enormous. And Landry Shamit again. It wasn't a great full performance by him, but down the stretch to hit those two threes in succession to stretch that lead out, he's been fantastic. Um, Cameron Payne was, was decent yesterday. You know, it, it wasn't one of his better games. Bismack Biombo contributed. So they got contributions again from everybody when it looked like it was going to be the Devin Booker show. The upgrade at backup and third-string center this season cannot be talked about enough on how much that has contributed this year at different various points where they've had to step up and filled in flawlessly. Yeah, it's it. I mean, we we talked about the JaVale McGee transaction in real time and what an upgrade that was, and I think it's worked out better than we even expected it to. Yeah. But to not have him yesterday again, to add Bismack Biombo before before the new year, talk about a guy who just fits in. He's yeah, not, he does. I mean, he's not yeah. a good offensive player. No, but he, um, he gives them minutes oh, that they need. Energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got six fouls to work with. Yep. So dealing he's with smart. size, yeah, mm-hmm. dealing with size is not going to be an issue for the Suns this this playoff yeah, run. That's at least that is the plan. Yeah. So the uh, Suns off until Wednesday night. They got a trip to San Francisco to take on the struggling Golden State Warriors, but they will be looking for a franchise tying rec- uh, record tying sixty second win when they uh, lace them up against the Warriors on Wednesday night. Coming up next, uh, we'll go back to the NFL and JJ Watt going into his second year with the Cardinals, looking for opportunities to connect with the fan base. We got details on that next. Bickley and Murata mornings, ninety eight seven FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Dan Bickley, it's Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Oh, it's the Monday morning edition of Bickley and Murata mornings. Here live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios, Dan Bickley, Vince Murata, Sarah Cazell, Jarrett Carlin, taking you up until uh, 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, J.J. Watt going into his second year as an Arizona Cardinal. How would before we move on to yeah. what we're going to talk about? How would you describe JJ Watt's first year as a Cardinal? I thought he was pretty good. I thought the uh, the seven games that he played before getting hurt yeah. were better than I expected. Uh, I was hoping for a lot more effect, um, residual effect on on field performance against the Rams, but that didn't happen. But, so uh, to me, it was like the best and worst of the outcomes you could get. The best, for, I agree with you. The seven games was like, wow, he was really influential on, on that defense. Yeah. Uh, he actually made a mark. And then the worst of it, when they made that acquisition for the money that they gave him, you're like, oh, he doesn't stay healthy all that often. So you, you saw that, too. Yeah. It was kind of the convergence of both of those things, unfortunately. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so I think that... Um I think that he's got a great personality, and he flashed that at times. I also think that, you know... Uh, I, I I hope that he can give the team more than seven games this coming yes, season because his so cap hit is significant this year. Uh, over the weekend, J.J. Uh, Watt uh, tweeted, I think this was Saturday morning, uh, pictures of he and his wife on a on a hike, uh, beautiful scenery, 
says, as you could tell from the coffee cup in hand and choice of shoes and attire, I clearly underestimated this morning's, quote, walk. But damn, was worth it. You're beautiful, Arizona. And that gets all kinds of response. J.J. Watt knows how to oh, he, uh, appeal to the oh, fan base. He He's a master at oh, it. Yes, he is. So, um, dare I say Twitter legend? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clue Haywood. Arizona Twitter legend. Yes, he is. Response, Local says, Twitter legend. Uh, if you need Arizona food or dive bar recommendations, I'm your guy. Uh, somebody responded to that and said, J.J. Watt going to a dive bar would be epic. To which Clue Haywood responded, Wisconsin is basically a dive bar. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which is a really funny line for people who've been to Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Um... Then he, uh, J.J. Watt responded, can't tell if this is supposed to be an insult or a compliment, but I'm flattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he went down this road. I feel like I haven't properly met Arizona fans yet because we still had heavy COVID protocols last year when I signed. What if we picked the best dive bar in Phoenix or Scottsdale and just had a hang session with Cards fans one night for an hour or two over some brews. Yeah, okay. Like I said, J.J. Watt knows how to connect with fans. Yes, <laughs> and, and I have uh, I have subsequently heard from Clue Haywood, and he has put J.J. Watt together with the fine folks at the Coach House. So this might actually be happening. Legendary Scottsdale Dive Bar. It's a legendary Scottsdale Dive Bar right in the middle of of Tony Posh Old Town Scottsdale. Yes, it is. So there's a great juxtaposition going on there. Yes. And, and so that that is cool. I, I, I think that's a good gesture. I also think J.J. Watt is smart enough to, to read the room and read the mood of the valley and realize, man, we need something good. We need, we need some people so talking. So well said. Of, you know? Yeah. We need something good, and I can provide that. And he can because he's engaging. He's bigger than life. He's a superstar. And as you said, he knows exactly how to push those buttons. It's one of the things you get by having J.J. Watt on your team. Exactly. It's it's one of those beyond you know what he does on the field things, the intangible things that like he brings to your team when you sign him other than just you know what he does on game day. Oh, I mean, exactly. And you know this is a a very minor, uh, a minor blip on the whole connecting with the community thing. What JJ Watt did in Houston in the wake of that devastating hurricane that they had, uh, the humanitarian efforts that he took on personally and got involved in, mm-hmm. it won him NFL Walter Payton Man of the Year. Yeah, and it right. wasn't really even a race that year because of what he did and the funds he generated oh, for yeah. for that yeah. city to rebuild itself, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, this is a guy that gets it. Now, the next question, um, can can you connect with Clue and see if Kyler Murray will be invited? <laughs> <laughs> or will Kyler Murray show up? Or will he be like the great Gatsby and just be upstairs somewhere? Isn't he in, is he in Arizona? Yeah, I think he is in Arizona. He was as of uh, last yeah, Thursday. He was in Sedona. Coach House is not a place you can hide, Kyler Murray. It is. Tightly packed in there. Yeah. Well, you can. Well, I mean, at his height, you could hide in there. Oh, <laughs> wow! Hey, damn. I'm of the same height as him. I've been there when right. it's crowded, and I, that, I'm, I'm that invisible. Yeah, that is true. You're not making fun of his height because no. you and I both know he's a legit five ten. Yes. We, we don't stood take, next to him. Don't he's take that a as a height. I don't, want, I, but I don't want to get slapped. I was just going to say you might have saved <laughs> oh. a slap at the last second there. Uh huh. 
So, so I think that this is uh, this is good. This is a good thing for JJ Watt to be doing. I, I hope they can put this thing together because it will produce social media and conversation that will help change this narrative into something to look forward to. Exactly. Something good. Yeah, and people think, feeling good about the Cardinals. Yeah, yeah if right. you think Coach House is crowded on a regular basis. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. that? Packed. Packed. Can you imagine that? The thing about this too is it really feels like J.J. Watt would genuinely enjoy connecting with the fans. Not just showing up and scrolling on his phone, but like really get a kick out of getting to meet these people. Yeah. I think you're right. That's why I think J.J., if, you know, he had the, throughout the world of sports, the whole question, who's the one guy you'd like to sit down and have beers with? J.J. Watt would be near the top of the list. I he's, want to meet his wife too. He's affable. Uh, he seems to be pretty, you know, diverse in, in you know his knowledge base. It's not just about sports. He's got some pop culture stuff going on. He's mm-hmm. just a, he's just a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like a guy that yeah. that would vibe with you. That yeah. would, yeah, yeah. There's, you know, yeah. So um, I think it's a great idea. I think it was, like I said, it was very interesting for because JJ Watt offered this. This wasn't something that was put in front of him, and he's like, okay, you know what, I'll do that. This is something he came up with. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We have we have not been properly integrated. We have not had a chance to say hello personally. Which Let's I've, do it. I've heard other athletes make reference to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did the um, we did the interview with uh, at FanDuel Fan Fest, and we interviewed Mikael Bridges and Frank Kaminsky and, and Ish Wainwright from the Suns. Yeah. And that was one of the topics we talked about was. How strange it was for the team to ascend the way that it did last season and go to the finals, first trip to the playoffs. It rekindled this love affair between basketball team and city. But, you know, as the playoffs wore on, the fans were there. They were loud. They were into it. But it wasn't it wasn't the same as it normally would have been because of that that, you know, COVID protocol separation barrier that existed. And now it really it doesn't anymore. Yeah, and so that's why you saw how many people show up to get lemonade exactly. from, from Cam Johnson's stand. A few, like and how month. that made them feel even more of this is our team. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, there was a time many, many years ago when Jerry Colangelo predicted that if the Suns ever got back to being really good, that they would become, that they would return to be the number one team in the Valley. And I remember writing about it and quoting him on that. And I remember thinking, I think I believe this, but I'm not sure. Because now we've got a football team that's actually good. Yeah. And for many, many years when the Suns were the the best team and the favorite team here, it's because the Cardinals were just dog breath in everything they did. And so hasn't that changed? And we're a football town and we're a football mad nation. He's right. He was right on the money. Yeah, I, I think this is a, I think we can mark this as a city that is a football city unless. Unless. Dot, yeah. dot, dot. Right, exactly. Unless the basketball yeah. team in town. Is championship Grabs caliber. Grabs your heart. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. It's very, very true. Because the Cardinals are a good football team. And, and you know, and every other franchise in this godforsaken sports town <laughs> should really, and I'm talking about the major professional championships, so Rattler fans don't rip into me. Mercury, Mercury fans don't rip into Rising. me. This is different. If you don't think there's different levels, then you're not being honest. And so when it comes to the to the other major sports towns like the Diamondbacks and and we all have hope for the Coyotes now, but it's there's opportunities out there, and and once again it, to to rip away this idea that we're a bad sports town for good, 
all the flaws that we have as, as, as a sports town are very real. Yes. We've got a lot of transients and a lot of people with mixed loyalties, but the major issue is the organizations collectively have been, have been so erratic and so rarely good and entertaining at the same time that they never take well, any of that loyalty from the transients. They never build anything. Because the success is not sustained. It's, That's it. It's fleeting. It's all one-hit wonders. So dive, dive you wanna, bar You want to go like gamble and sing play that funky music, Benny? Play that funky music! Yeah. Right? Yes, I right. do. One-hit wonders, right? <laughs> Didn't he do that? He, he did. Yeah. He did. He's, they turned it yeah. into a promo. He did. That's uh, right. Last did. shot to participate in the madness. Text the word Bucks to 620-620 and choose from the last four teams. That's my kind of bracket. When there's only four teams to choose from, I might get one right. Uh, but your chance to win $500, that's Bucks to 620-620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Coming up next, we got the boot for you. The reboot. Rush Hour Reboot with Sarah Cazelles next. Pickley Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Pickley Murata Mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. That's American-owned and American-dreamed Brooklyn Betting. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Hello. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley Amarada Mornings on 97.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Happy Monday, everyone. Thank you for joining us on your commute, taking your kids to school, listening at home on your smart speaker, whatever you got going. Thank you for joining us. I am Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. Vince Murata. Hello. I saw you. I know you. I knew you. Ooh, what was that? I don't know. I am. Oh, yeah, I don't know. My favorite R.E.M. song. That's a good song. Pop song 89. 89. Yeah, I like that. Okay, and Jarrett Carlin. (laughs) Hootie, hootie, hootie. (laughs) (laughs) All right, welcome to the Rush Hour Reboot, everybody. It's one of those moments that truly makes him uncomfortable. He didn't get uncomfortable by much. It's weird, because we do it every single day at this time. Yeah, but only the discomfort started when I started doing sound bites instead of silence. The timing gets thrown off, because then we react to his sound bite. And then I'm not sure that you're going to come to me or you're just going to go through it. I'm going to go to you Carlin every single time. Okay. I'm going to go to you every single time. Right, let me try over it then. Hootie, hootie, hootie. Oh! It's better. There By the way, Jarrett, in pulling up that uh, that Green or R.E.M. album, Green, uh, there's a song about you Oh, on on this album. It's called Hair Shirt. Hair shirt. Yeah. Hair shirt. I like that. Hair shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going to say, Scruffy Mongrel's a song? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, man. We talk the top stories of the day every single day at this time, so let's get into those stories now. Starting with the Phoenix Suns, who took down the Sixers yesterday, 114-104, knocking off one of the best teams in the East, and that is uh, eight straight wins for the Suns now. After the game, Monty Williams, the head coach, said one area he has seen a lot of growth in from when he first arrived in Phoenix to now is how well his players react in tight games, tight situations. And I think that's something that we've been able to watch here in Phoenix is young guys who've been in tight situations, not necessarily fail our first year, but we didn't do as well as we wanted to. And then year by year or year after year, you're watching those guys improve in those situations. And then obviously, you know, gaining respect 
from the rest of the league in reference to how hard they play against you every night. Uh, I think when I listen to other guys, they would talk about this team when they would come visit, and they didn't have a lot of good things to say. And now they know that they better bring it when they come through here. Okay, so I'll turn it back to you, Bick and Vinny. What has been the most a noticeable difference to you from pre-Monty Williams times to now, be it on the court what you're seeing or off the court? We're both. A real respect for the leadership of the Phoenix Suns. It was it was something that even though even when the team was full of young kids there was no real inherent respect for the people leading them because they were always unconventional, unproven, bargain basement guys. Yeah, true. Um, obviously, it's, it's all about culture, and I remember having discussions about culture, and I remember a specific conversation we had with Amino Hassan, who was with ESPN at the time. We mm-hmm. talked about, yeah, it takes forever to build culture. It just doesn't happen overnight. It happened pretty close to overnight. When James Jones hired Monty Williams, and what the front office did was, yeah, it was a ton of young players and a ton of high lottery picks, but they weeded out the guys that weren't all about winning over over the course of time. Um, and I don't have to name the names, you know who they are, and they kept the guys that were. Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, these are guys that are about winning and buying into culture and being better individual and team players. And, and you see the result when you add veterans into the mix, too. It's been, it's been amazing. Mm-hmm. Let's go to baseball. The Diamondbacks have reportedly locked in Cattell Marte through 2027 with potential for 2028 through a team option. A five-year extension that starts next year worth $76 million in total. This is all according to the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal, uh, plus, like I said, a team option for 28. Do you guys see Cattell Marte as a legitimate building block for the Diamondbacks, which is what they are signaling here with this deal? It's a great question. Uh, I would I would bet on the answer being yes. I would like them to dedicate one position for Cattell Marte, preferably the one he enjoys playing the most, which is second base. I, I, w- I would prefer that stability in, in hopes that it unlocks that offensive monster we saw a couple years ago. But I, I do think that there's a, a he's a dynamic player, and if he can stay healthy, th- I, I do think he's a foundational piece, yes. I'm torn on it because I agree with what Bick just said. But that is one hell of a friendly deal right? Uh, that's movable. And yeah, Cattell Marte gets off to a great start this year. He could bring back, if you want to continue to build uh, you know, the, the, the up-and-coming farm system, that would be a great way to do it. So I don't, I don't know what the plan is. That's a good is, point, too. Um, but that is, a, that is a highly movable deal at, what, 15-plus million per year? Well, that was going to be my next question. Do you actually think he plays out the entirety of that deal with Arizona? Um, the chances are still, even if it's not anytime soon, the chances are still no, right? Yeah, I would say that. Probably mm-hmm. That's where I would vote on that. No. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, some news out of the world of boxing. We don't talk about boxing a lot on this show, but um, at the Oscars last night, <laughs> Will Smith took a swing at Chris Rock on stage. Uh, if you have missed it, you have missed a lot. Yeah. Chris Rock made a joke at the expense of... Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and Will Smith uh, took matters into his own hands, very literally. Into his own hand, yeah. Yes. Imagine if he actually punched him. Yeah. What today would be like. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, then again, being slapped is almost more disrespectful yeah, in some ways. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. 
More disrespectful, okay. but so, go ahead. Sarah. So my question is, which actor or actress would you least want to have taking a swing at your face? Uh, probably Jason Momoa. Jared, <laughs> here's a joke. That's a good one. What did the police at the Oscars find when they dusted Chris Rock's face? Fresh Prince. Oh, okay. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. <laughs> That's better than the like joke it. that got Chris Rock slapped. I'll say that much. <laughs> no question. Yeah. No question about mm-hmm. that. The first okay. actor that popped into my head was Danny Trejo. <laughs> I would not want to mess with Danny. That's Trejo. legitimate. Even That's he's legitimate. Like 80 something. Like, who cares? Yeah, but he's got some history. He is a bad, bad man, mm-hmm. and I mean that with all utmost respect. It's, Absolutely, it's been amazing to me to watch some of the reaction to this because early on it was like people like good for Will Smith for defending his wife's honor, and then people like over the course of time it almost seems like. Props to Chris Rock for keeping in the flow of the show the best he could because that. Uh, that's harder to do than getting out of your chair and going and slapping a dude. He didn't even get knocked off his mark. I mean, he took like half a step backwards with one and, foot. And he never touched his face. No. Right. And he never even put his his hands were behind his back. And that's why at first I thought it was all staged because he just same, oh same. took a little dive and then went on with his yeah. script. And I was yeah. like, wait, but as, what? as Jared pointed Hold out, on. there was such a weirdness because all this stuff, the, the feed of what... Will Smith was saying you couldn't see that in American television. Right. We've all seen that now in the Australian feed and the, the Japanese, Japanese feed. feed yeah. Right. We've all seen that now. But Jared's right. You could tell it started to be like, oh, yeah, this is legit based on that weird energy that took over that. Yeah, place. all the totally people weird energy. Yeah, <laughs> on, on that, uh, the blanked out, blurred out Will Smith screaming stuff, somebody said, I guess Eminem was wrong. Will Smith does curse. Oh! <laughs> Another joke better than the, yeah, right. the one I love that got Chris Rock slapped. Amy Schumer came back for her hosting duties like 30 minutes later. Yeah. She just looks around. She goes, did I miss something? Yeah. The vibe in here is a little different. Changed. But then she immediately insulted Kirsten Dunst. I know. Yeah, so what was, that was funny, though, too. What was Jesse her? Plemons supposed yeah, exactly. to do? I was disappointed that Wanda Sykes didn't get to come out and do something in response. And she's good friends with Chris Rock. I would yeah. have loved to hear something from her. I'm sure we'll see something on social media later today. Oh, the Oscars worth watching again. None of the movies the were LAPD worth watching. Said, Although, by the way, shout out to Coda, which features yes. I, Troy. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Is it Katzer? Yeah, Mesa's own. Yeah, yeah. Have a shout Oscar out to Mesa. winner. Yep. Let's go. I'm just happy Licorice Pizza didn't win anything because that movie sucked. <laughs> like Black Licorice. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Thank Thanks, you. Sarah. We're all rebooted. Uh, we do it every morning at 7:30. The Rush Hour reboot. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley. Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Coming up next, it's always a treat when we get to talk sports with Dave Damashek, and we'll do it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. It's the Monday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, coming to you live from the Ak Chin Community Studios, taking you up until 10 o'clock. Always, uh, always a pleasure. We always have so much fun talking to our next guest, Dave Damashek, who uh, joins us here on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Dave, how you been, man? 
Well, I, I was doing okay, fellas. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you once again, except uh, here in Hollywood, the sky <laughs> is literally crying. It is raining. You know, that's uh, unusual at this time of the year, yes. year, but you understand why it is after the mess. Yeah. And Hollywood. Oscars last night. Yeah, I'm sure Hollywood is a buzz with what we witnessed last night. Where do you, what, what camp do you align with, Dave? I can't, what I can't align with is that there apparently is nothing in society that can't be reduced to a conspiracy theory. And there are people, I, I, 12 hours or more after. Um, Will Smith, you know, what What did he do? Face wash, he slapped, whatever you want to call Chris Rock. People saying, oh, no, it was fake. It was a, yeah, that, that was fake. Yeah, I saw a lot like, of that. It was fake. It wasn't funny. Well, there was nothing funny about it. Will, Will Smith, what, that, if that was acting, that was the greatest performance by Will Smith, uh, Will Smith in his entire career, all that weeping and everything. That was, that was pure <laughs> lunacy. That was insane. It I mean, was. we, I don't want to get crazy about how severe it was and charging him with felonies or anything, but one thing's for sure. Will Smith is emotionally unstable, fellas. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, if you're going to get slapped for telling bad jokes, our producer would be in big trouble, Dave. <laughs> okay, that's not what people want to talk about right now. <laughs> Let's talk about Baker Mayfield going to the Steelers. Could that possibly happen? No. No, it could not. And by the way, talk about melodrama and all that. Pro football has provided so much. And to put it into perspective for Arizona-based pro football Mm. fans, think about how long ago it was that Kyler Murray changing his social media pictures was a big deal. That was like... That was like 37 stories ago. And just QB-based stories. But, yes, no, I don't think Baker Mayfield is. Um, I do expect his um, his progressive ad of him packing the moving trucks uh, to be the most emotional yet. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on that on that Oscar stage one year from now, you know, collecting an award for his moving performance. He really stretched, as uh, they'll say. I, that really, uh, the director gave me a playground uh, to see how far I could take my emotions there, and I, I found uh, some range I didn't realize I had. That'll be Baker Mayfield, because he's not going to be a football player anymore, so he's got to figure out what his next career is going to be, <laughs> or at least starting quarterback. Dave Damashek, our guest host, the uh, Minus 3 podcast on the 72SoldSportsLine.com. Um, there's been so much quarterback movement. We, we expect it every year. This offseason has not disappointed in terms of big names, changing addresses. And we know as you know, a Pittsburgh guy, you love to take shots at Cleveland. So what is your overall take on what transpired with the Browns and Deshaun Watson and where it's all at right now? I mean, what a what a mess. I, I, I think if you hooked Andrew Barry up to a lie detector, he can say whatever he wants, but if you hooked him up to a lie detector, he regrets this, right? Do you, do you feel like sure I got sounded that yes. way? Yep. I think that there's a certain momentum that gets going with, uh, with a chase and you get swept up in it. It's like chasing beads at Mardi Gras or something. Like somehow you can get swept. It's like, we got to get those. I like, go, oh, yeah, 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 we do. Like, what are we going to do? With them? I don't know, but we got to have them. And I feel like that, that when, when the majority of the NFC South teams all were in on him and fighting it out to get Deshaun Watson, I think you kind of lose sight of the bigger picture and the value that it'll actually have. And I think they're like, yeah, we better get in on that Deshaun Watson thing. And uh, and and then they look up and they're like, 
what are we going to do with all these beads now? Um, so <laughs> it has, it does have that vibe to it that, that that they're like, oh my goodness, what have we done? And now we can't really back out of it. But I, I mean, I legitimately, it, it made no sense for me for the last year, you know, that, that we always knew, and there's not much clarification, and I hate talking felonies and all that and yeah. misdemeanors and all that crap. Who wants to be doing that? Sports are supposed to be fun, but um, it is like we don't have any real practical clarity on Goodell and how long he's going to shut him down for. So that's kind of a factor, you know. It's it's not nothing to say like yes, yeah, so, yeah, but you know what? People will forget all about the off the field stuff if they're winning games. One, that's gross and cynical, and whether or not that's true, but also. Probably not this year if he gets shut down for eight games. I mean, like, that's half the season. So the damaged goods you just are guaranteeing money to, it's all, it all has a gross vibe to it. But I also am not 100% convinced that uh, from an on-field standpoint that this is the greatest move in the history of, uh, mm. of transactions. Yeah, that, that was such a weird, uncomfortable press conference. You wonder how much of that was an owner-driven thing, and yeah, I agree with you about all of it. Uh, this has been an incredible march in the NFL. It There's- was, it was, it was, though. It was like, I mean, you, you do have to pull back and, and look at this. They're introducing, hey, great news, Cleveland. We found the future, the most important position in all of sports. We have solved it for the next half decade. Here he is. And it was really like something you would see at a morgue. It really was <laughs> right. Like, that, that, that was the indicator. Like, well, we screwed this up, didn't we? Like, this was, there was, that was hardly joyous. That was a, the Will Smith speech was more joyous right. than the press conference. Uh, I totally agree with you. When you <laughs> when you look at the NFL free agency and and just the amount of movement, this has been in a a crazy series of headlines from the NFL, from the Aaron Rodgers drama to the unretiring of Tom Brady, all the way down to Russell Wilson and all this. Uh, what do we? What are what's to be, to be made of all of this, Dave? That people get too caught up in these rope sort of opinions and this is the way pro football is and everything else. And we've talked about it before, but Cliff Kingsbury, if nothing else ever happens positive with, uh, with this mini era of Cardinals football, I think the Kingsbury thing showed something that you could never do. You're not allowed that you can't draft a, a, a quarterback in the first round and then do the same thing the next year. Like, well, yeah, you can, as it turns out. And, and, <laughs> the football team doesn't completely crumble and burn down to the ground if you do that. So many of the assumptions that we forged in our brains, if not anywhere else in around 1990, are no longer true. Quarterbacks kind of, I guess, taking the page from LeBron James and uh, the decision a decade or more ago have kind of realized their value. Wait, we're a small handful of human beings capable of doing something of course, we get to decide where we play, and it's unsatisfying. I get to fans who are used to a certain um, flow to every football season and sports calendar, but quarterbacks, I think rightly, call me, you know, listen, I, call me the proletariat uh, going against the bourgeoisie, <laughs> but the working class, the working class, of course, wait, these guys, wait, of course you get to decide Russell Wilson. You're not, you're not required to do what Pete Carroll or anyone else thinks. You want to move? I guess it's your right to move. Um, but it is crazy in, you know, you the, the three of us are roughly the same age. It is very different 
than what it was 30 years ago. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's the bottom line. And yet people keep applying the old rules of like, you can't do that. Turns out you can do that. I mean, about any number of things. Not have a running game and go to the Super Bowl? Sure. <laughs> Jump from one team to the other? Sure. Team build at the player level? Of course you're allowed to do that. All these things are up in the air, and we're completely like, you could never get away with that in pro football <laughs> 30 years ago. Yeah, you can get away with anything. It's sort of like an animated Disney movie. The only limitation is your own imagination. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> yes, that the truth? <laughs> Dave, you're the best, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, congratulations in advance. I think the Suns are looking pretty good oh, uh, for making Uh-oh. another little run here. I hope you didn't jinx anything right there, Dave. <laughs> I don't have those powers. No, okay, good. Good. <laughs> we appreciate it. Dave Damashek, our guest on the 72 Sold Sports Line. Get your price at 72sold.com. You can follow him, by the way, at uh, Damashek, D A M E S H E K. Get all the uh, details on his podcast endeavors. Uh, but it's always a pleasure when he joins us. Coming up next, always a pleasure, too, when Bick kicks off the second half of the show with the blast. And that's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.